2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to be there in verse 8. And I want to preach this morning on a great mother, on a great mother. Look at verse 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And I want to point out there that the Bible says she was a great woman. And I want to preach this morning on what it takes to be a great woman. Mother. So this, the Bible calls this woman a great woman. Now, the Bible just don't throw around the word great. You know, it's, so when you see it says great, she was a great woman. And we're going to go through and find out why she was such a great woman and why the Bible says she was a great woman, how it correlates to being a great mother. And Elisha, when he was, a, he was a great man of God, and as he was going through this land, this woman had seen him, and she would she'd get him to come over, and she would feed him. And look what she says there in, in verse 9. It says, And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passeth by us continually. What makes a great mother is a great mother is a witness to her family about God. A great mother takes her kids to church. I had a great mother. You know, my mother's been gone to the Lord for many, many years, but she took me to church. When I was a heathen, she took me to church. And that foundation of taking me to church is where I'm at today. And she had no idea that she was taking a preacher to church. She just knew she was taking her kid, and nobody would have known that I was going to be a preacher. But she was taking this little kid to church, and God knew what he had in store for me. But she was a great mother to take me to church. And a great mother does what she needs to do to tell her family about God. Amen. You know, uh, I was listening to this preacher, and he said, My mother, my mother practices what I preach. <laughs> yeah, and they had this, uh, Dr. Morgan was a preacher, and he had four sons, and all four of his sons were preachers, and they were at a family reunion, and as at their family reunion, one of the family came over, and they asked one of the sons, which one of the Morgans is the best preacher? Which one of you Morgans is the best preacher? Without missing a beat, the son looked over his dad and said, Mom. <laughs> yeah, Mom is the best preacher. It takes a holy mom. You need, to have, you need to be a mother that's a godly mother. We need more godly mothers, amen, that take their kids to church, that recognize that when there's a man of God coming through there. And she says, I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passes by us continuously. She witnesses to her family about God. Henry Hines, the guy behind the Hines Company, the one, you know, Hines Ketchup. Y'all know all about Hines. This is what his will said. This is what he wrote in his will. He said, looking forward to this time, when I, my earthly career, career will end, I desire to set forth at the very beginning of this will as the most important item in it. This is the most important item in his will. A confession of my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior. Amen. Amen. He says, I also desire to bear witness to the fact that throughout my life in which there were unusual joys and sorrows, I have been wonderfully sustained by my faith in God through Jesus Christ. He said, I couldn't have got through this life without Jesus Christ. That was the second thing. This is the third thing he said. This legacy was left me by my consecrated mother, a woman of strong faith, and to it I attribute any success I have attained. Amen. You think about how powerful a kingdom that he made in that industry, and he gave all the credit to Jesus Christ and to his Mom, they had such strong faith. You go to look at the men of God that have been raised up by God, and almost, I mean, without a doubt, almost every one of them had a great strong mom that was behind them. Behind every great man is a great woman, the saying goes. 
And you go look at that, and it's amazing. From Abraham Lincoln to John Wesley and Charles Wesley, that was one of the strongest women of faith I've ever read about was John Wesley, and the one that created the Methodist movement, the Methodist church that Sister Martin was talking about. Their mom was a great woman of faith. She was so strong on her faith, and it had such an influence on the whole family. You know, uh, speaking of women of faith and women that don't have faith, Dr. Ruckman is one of the few men I know of that's a strong man of God that had an had a ungodly mom. He talked about that a lot, about how he was so worried about his mom and his, how ungodly she was. And he would sometimes from the pulpit cry over his mom, didn't know if she was saved or not. But I remember thinking about that and thinking, you know, he had, he had an ungodly mom, and he, but he didn't get saved till he was 27 years old. Can I say that some of y'all wouldn't be saved if you didn't have a godly mom? Amen. Didn't take you to church and didn't do the right things. That's what makes a great mother. Verse 10. Let us make a little chamber, she says. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. And this is where we get the idea. You ever hear these missionaries come in? They'll call me and they'll say, uh, do you have a prophet's chamber? Do you have a prophet's chamber? And what they mean is they have a place for the missionaries to, to sit back in. And this is where they get this idea. As she says there, let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. And let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool, and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh us, cometh to us, that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. So she made a little place for Elijah when he was traveling through the land, that Elijah could come, and he could lay down, and he could eat, he could, had, a, had a table there, he could open up his scrolls, and he could read the word of God, and study what he needed to do. And she had did this kind of thing for him. Now, what does that mean? That means that a great mother has great hospitality. A great mother has great hospitality. You go into a house with a great mother, and what's, a, what's the first thing she's going to ask you? You want something to drink? You want something to eat? Want you make, make yourself at home? Great, great mothers had great hospitality, and they taught their kids great hospitality. Amen? Uh, you, you can tell a kid that's been under a great mom because you know why? When I go to, the, when I go to a convenience store or go to a drive-in at a fast food place and they hand me my food, that kid will say, thank you or yes ma'am, or no ma'am, or yes sir, or no sir. You know what I know? I know that kid didn't learn that at school. I know that kid didn't learn that off TV, amen. I know that that kid didn't learn that off Facebook or off the internet. That kid learned that from a godly mother. And it's a mother that had hospitality and said, you're going to say yes ma'am, and no ma'am, and yes sir, and no sir. And you're going to say thank you and please. There's nothing that brings joy to my heart to be in a restaurant or be in Walmart or somewhere and hear a parent say, what are you supposed to say? And they'll say, thank you or please. That's a good parent. That's a good mom. And the mothers have hospitalities. And this goes to all parts of the earth. I have a friend that's a Korean. He's half Korean and half black. His dad was in the Korean War and met his mom who was Korean. His dad was like six foot five black man. She's like this little. I mean, not too much of an exaggeration. Well... His dad had passed away. Well, I, I was good friends with my friend Calvin, and he, he, was in, he, he invited me over to have supper over at his house with his mom, and I knew his mom pretty well, but I never had her feed me, never really been over the house. And you always had to take your shoes off. She's Korean. You go to the house, you got to take your shoes off. So I always had to make sure I had socks on that didn't have holes in them. I didn't want to embarrass myself. So we go over to the house, and we sit down, and he says, she's going to feed us. And she comes out, and I'm not exaggerating. Y'all might think I'm exaggerating, but I'm not exaggerating the least bit. She comes out with this plate that had a pile of pork chops on it like this. And it's just me and him eating. And she sits this down, and I turn to Calvin. I said, my goodness, man, that's a lot of food. He goes, ma'am, just wait. She comes out with this hot cabbage type stuff. She brings this out. And then we're eating on that. She brings out another plate with steak on it, piled up like this. 
and I'm trying to eat this, and I thought I can eat. And you can ask my wife, I can eat, but man, I'm looking at this stuff. I said, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to eat this stuff. And we're trying to eat this, and he goes, she's going to expect you to eat it. And I said, well, I'm going to eat it. She goes, no. He goes, no, she's going to expect you to eat all of it. She's going to expect you. And she come in there, and she couldn't speak very good English. And she come in there, and she'd go, eat, 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 eat. Something wrong? Eat, eat. I said, no, 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 Oak Pun. Her name was Oak Pun. I said, no, Oak Pun, okay, okay. Her name, we called her, okay. Everything's okay. No, it's good, it's good. Something wrong? Eat, eat, eat. That's a woman of great hospitality. She wanted to make sure that I was full and fat. There's no wonder Calvin was 200-something pounds when he was 16 years old. I mean, that's all she did was fed him. It's a great woman of hospitality, and she knew how to take care of people. And that's just like this lady here, a great mother. Look at verse 12. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, stood before him. She stood before him, and she said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldst thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. See, she's a great woman of hospitality. A great mother is a great woman of hospitality, but she's also a great woman of humility. She's very humble. He's trying to do something for her. He says, Elijah says, woman, let me do something for you. You've been so good to me. Let me say something to the captain. Let me get you some, some, some good favors for you. And the lady says, you know, I dwell among my own people. She's a woman of humility. A great mother is very humble. I read a story of a mother, and the son came down from the table, and he came down to the table, and he left her a note, and she opened up the note, and he said, it's, on the note it said, uh, it said, you owe me 25 cents for doing my clothes, 25 cents for being a good boy, You're, and total 50 cents, and he left the note there for his mom. So the next day, the, the kid came down, and he opened up the note at the table, and he looked at the note, and there was, there was two quarters laying there, and the note says, for doing all your clothes, nothing. For taking care of you when you were sick, nothing. You owe me nothing. Amen. That's how a mother feels about it. Great woman of humility. A mother never, never asks for anybody to praise her with stuff. She wants to do that. That's what she wants to do. That's what's in her heart. She has that love in her heart. It comes natural to love on your kids. Amen. You don't need your, you want your kids to call you on Mother's Day. You want your kids to do stuff for your Mother's Day. But you don't need to have that all the time. Amen. Because you're a woman of humility. It, it's a great mother has great humbleness to her. She says, I dwell among my own people. Verse 14, and he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door, and he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, oh, Nay, my lord, thou, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. She don't, said, don't be lying to me, because that's what she really wants. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. Elisha had, done her, had prayed to the Lord, the Lord had done her a great favor. Guys, when you're a great mother, and you do what's right by the Lord, the Lord's going to take care of you. Amen. He might not give you all your answered prayers, but he will take care of you. Amen. Ladies, he will take care of you. Verse 18, and when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to a lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon. The boy sat on her knees till noon and then died. A great mother has a great love for her children. That's one of the greatest aspects of having a mother. 
is the great love, that unconditional love a mother shows you. You know, whenever a kid's hurt, and I used to love to do this, when a kid's hurt, you, you want daddy to kiss it to make it feel better? No, where's mama? Mama, I want mama. <laughs> Daddy's kisses don't fix anything, amen? Daddy's kisses don't fix it. Mama's kisses fix it. They want mama. And you might have that kid all toughened up, but when things get bad, mama, I want mama, you know. That's the way it goes. You know, one of the times of my life when... I was a young man, and I was about eight years old, and my, I, they, called me in the, they called me in the living room. They said, uh, we need to tell you something, Keegan. I said, yeah. yeah. said, your dad's been murdered. He's been murdered. He's dead. He's gone. And I remember my aunt was sitting there in the chair, and I crawled up in my aunt's lap, kind of like this boy here, and I crawled up in my aunt's lap, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And my aunt was like a mother to me. A mother doesn't have to be somebody who birthed you. A mother doesn't have to be somebody that you came from her womb. I've got plenty of mothers now that my mother's gone on to the Lord. I've got plenty of mothers that have loved on me and take care of me and straighten me out when I need to be straightened out. And I appreciate that. I need that. And that dear aunt of mine, is now that my mom's gone on to be the Lord, that dear aunt of mine is my mother to me now in a lot of ways. And when I get out of church, that's who I'm going to call is my aunt. The one that let me crawl up in her lap and cry and cry and cry. That's what mothers are good for. And I thank y'all mothers for letting us be that way. A, a dad can't do that for you. I mean, you can, a dad will let you cry on him. A dad wants to be that, but you want to go to mama. You want to go to mama. He sat on her knees till noon, then died. A, a great mother has a great love for her children. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband, called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men. And one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, uh, the husband said to the wife, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon or Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. A great mother serves the Lord even when she doesn't have the support of her husband. See what that man's asking her? He's like, Why are you going to church? It's not Sunday. It's neither new moon or Sabbath. He says, It's not Sunday. Why are you going to church? That's why he's asking her. But a good mother, a great mother, Goes to church and loves God and does the things of God even without the support of her husband. Yeah. Amen. I think of Sister Joanne that come to this church. I was with Sister Joanne for, I guess, what, nine years? She was in this church, nine years in this church, and I never met her husband one time. He never would come to church. But you know that lady was so faithful to coming every Sunday and every Wednesday when she can. She was in this church. No support whatsoever from her husband. And she said, you know what, though? I'm still going to serve God. I'm still going to go with God and be with God. That's a great mother. My mom raised me as a single parent. Me and my sister, she didn't have no support of a husband. She didn't have no support of a man. And she made sure she got us in the church. She made sure we did the things we should do, the godly things. That's a great mother. That's a great mother. And that's, that's, that's what it takes to be a great mother. Look at verse 24. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So this woman, this mother, she's, she's determined. And let me tell you something. You don't ever want to get in front of a determined mother. <laughs> you don't ever want to get in front of a woman that's determined, a mother that's determined. One time, when my mom called me, and uh, I got the phone calls over my friend Chris Howell's house, and she called me, and I was on the phone with her, and she said, I need you to come home. And I said, no. I'm not coming home. I don't want to come home right now. Click. And as soon as I hung up the phone, 
I turned to my friend and I said, I need to go home. Because I, I felt this butterfly in my stomach. Like I really just did something I shouldn't have done. And I was smart enough to know that. And as I was leaving the house, I was leaving the house and I told Chris, I got to get out of here. I got to go home. And I got over there and I got on my bicycle. And right about that time, I heard it. My mom had a 1968 Camaro. And I heard it. And I was, I guess I was around, I don't know how old I was, six or seven, eight years old. Might have been a little older. I heard it. And I was in that parking lot and I said, oh, here we go. And she comes pulling up there and I had like a parking lot area and she comes sliding down through there and I was on my bicycle and I thought, it's time to skedaddle out of here. And I got on my bicycle and I started, and that woman got out, that determined mother. She got out and she had a, had a belt that looked like a bull whip. I don't know where she got that thing from. Nobody in the house wore a belt like that. And she got out of there and I, I got on my bike and I was riding and she come over there and she whoosh, whoosh, like Indiana Jones. Whoosh, and I said, no, mom, I know, mom, I know, mom. And she spanked me with that belt. And I was just riding and pedaling and pedaling. And I, mean, I got away from me, you know, I escaped. And I went and I, I, I was hiding in an alley. <laughs> I'll never forget this. I'm either 100 years old. As I was hiding, I could hear that Camaro. <laughs> it's driving up and down the roads looking for that little heathen she called a son. And eventually, after I thought everything was calmed down, you know, I, I rode my bicycle back home, you know. I know she didn't, she didn't weep me anymore. She didn't have to. I knew I made a mistake. That's a determined mother. And you know what? Some of y'all, y'all know they'd call CPS on her today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'd call CPS on her today. And I'm here to tell you, as a grown man, I deserved every bit of that. Amen. I deserved every bit of that. What I had done before that, you don't know. I'm not telling you the whole story, see, amen. But I deserved every bit of that. And I've learned a long time ago, when a mother's determined, don't get in her way. Don't get in her way. She said, drive, drive, and go forward. Verse 25, so she went and came into the man of God to Mount Carmel. and came to pass when the man of God saw her far, far off that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shumanite. So he sees her driving and she, he says, hey, he says, Elisha says to her servant, here she comes, there's that woman. Run now, I pray thee, verse 26, to meet her and say unto her, is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, it is well. So she's, the, the servant Gehazi runs up to her and he, and he says, is everything okay? And she says, yeah, everything's all right. And she just keeps on a driving. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her. And the Lord hath hid it from me and hath not told me. Guys, there's something about this story you need to realize as a mother. Y'all have got a special sense, a spiritual sense God's given only mothers to know. She can sense that Gehazi's not the one she needs to talk to. Gehazi comes up to her and Gehazi says, uh, what, Is everything all right? And she says, yeah, Everything's all right. <laughs> Get out of my way. And she gets right up to Elijah and she runs and jumps on Elijah. Elijah's the one that's going to do it. Y'all need to grab a hold of y'all's sixth sense that y'all have. Y'all have that sixth sense that y'all can sense when, you know, you always heard, I don't like that guy. I don't want that guy around my child. Y'all got to grab a hold of that. Don't ever stifle that sense when you've got that sense. Y'all have that. And a good mother, a great mother has that. She can sense that. She's got a spiritual discernment that a man doesn't have. And the spiritual discernment on Gehazi was right down the line. Because we find out later on that this same servant, he's covetous and he's greedy. 
And later on, he gets struck with leprosy because he doesn't do what God tells him to do. The same servant. So she grabs a hold of Elisha, and this servant's going to kick, him, kick her off of him. Elisha, leave her alone. She's got some, something's bothering her, and God's not telling me. See, God's not always going to tell you everything. Verse 28, then she said, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? See, she's brokenhearted, and she's crying out. She says, don't give him to me if you're going to do this to me. I didn't ask for him. You offered him to me, talking about this son. Then she said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins and take my staff in thine hand and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any salute thee, answer him not again. And lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. She said, You know what? I'm staying right here until you go. That's what she's telling him. So Elisha's sending Gehazi and Elisha was going to send Gehazi. And she goes, No, I'm staying right here. So Elisha finds out real quick, you better go too. Elisha's got to go too. So she, he sends Gehazi in front of Elisha. And look at verse 30. And the mother and child said, verse 31. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore, he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awake. So Gehazi goes and does what he's supposed to do. And he comes back to Elisha and says, The child is not awake. The child's still laying there dead. God's not going to work through Gehazi. He's not going to do it. And this woman knows that. She has enough spiritual discernment even more than Elisha. This mother. Then the man of God. She has more discernment than him. Because she would never send Gehazi, but that's what Elisha tries to do. This is an amazing story. That's why the Bible says this is a great woman. Amen. All right. Verse 32. And when Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and look and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. Sounds like mouth to mouth resuscitation, doesn't it? And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked into the house, walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. He did it again and the child sneezed seven times. There's that seven, seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, call the Shumanite. So he called her, and when she was coming to him, he said, take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. The final thing about a great mother is this. She's very, very thankful. A great mother has a thankfulness to her. And when Elijah was able to raise this child up, her only child, to raise this child up, it says there in verse 37, and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground. A great mother is thankful. A great mother is very thankful for who she is and what she is. A great mother is thankful that God has blessed her with children. Ladies, there's a lot of women that don't have children that would do anything to have their own child. Y'all know them. And that's okay. But sometimes as mothers, I think we take it for granted that God's blessed us with children. It's a blessing to be a mother. It's a blessing that God has given you the ability to be a mother. And that God loves you enough to give you a child. And just because you don't have a child don't mean that God don't love you. But there's, a, there's mothers that I think take for granted, and y'all know who I'm talking about, that take for granted that they're a mother. And there's nothing more sorry to me than a mother that doesn't take care of her child. You know, that child needs, these children in this world, and this, especially in America today, they need mothers. 
And where are the mothers? And I'm not talking about the grandmothers. I'm talking about the mothers. They need their mothers. They need their mothers to love on them. They need more, we need more thankful mothers. Mothers that are thankful to the Lord, that love the Lord. There was an infidel that lived around, I think it was at the end of last century. He was a French, he was an infidel. He hated God. He don't have nothing to do with God. But his wife was actually a Christian. And they had a child, and the wife said, uh, I'll make an agreement with you, because I know how you feel about things. She goes, I'm going to raise her until she's 15 years old. And when she's 15 years old, I'm going to bring her in. And the guy said, yeah, when she's 15, you raise her like you want to raise her. When she's 15, you bring her into this office, and I'm going to teach her what I know and what I believe, and then she can make up her own mind, and we'll go from there. Because at 15, she should be old enough to make up her own mind. So the mother had responsibility of raising this child. His mother raised his child as a Christian. And the time came when she turned 15. And the mother came in and told her husband, says, I promised you and I'm going to live up to my promise that I'm going to bring her in. I'm going to let her sit down in here and I'm going to let her talk to you. And you can tell her everything you believe and things you don't believe. And you know what that infidel said? He said, after 15 years, I've seen how you raised her. I've seen how she's loving and caring and kind and sweet. He said, there's no reason to bring her in here. Because if you let me talk to her, I might, I might ruin her. I might turn her into something I wouldn't want her to be. Call her in here so I can tell her how good a mother that she has. This is an infidel. So many people, they have this idea, like, they got this idea that they want to live wicked. They love living a wicked life. Everybody feels that way until they get around their kids, and they don't want their kids acting that way. Amen. Amen. And when he, when he was so wicked, and he saw, so wicked, he saw how God had worked on that kid's heart, and what Jesus Christ can do on a kid and in a mother. He said, I don't want to ruin that. You know, basically, what was he saying? In his own words, he's saying, I'm already ruined. I don't want to ruin her. She's so sweet and kind. I want to thank you all for being such great mothers. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you never can think of a time that you've took Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your opportunity. You know, Jesus Christ loved you enough to die for you. You might say, well, what makes Jesus so special compared to like Muhammad or Buddha or some other religious teaching? Well, see, what I'm trying to tell you this morning is I'm not trying to present to you a religious idea or a church like the Baptist church. I'm not trying to present to you a philosophy. I'm trying to present to you a man that walked on this earth named Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God. And what separates him out from all these other religious leaders was on the third day... He came out of the grave. Everybody else went down and never came up. But he said, I am the Son of God, and I'm going to prove it to you by coming up out of the grave. They never found his bones. They never were able to prove that he didn't do it. He said, well, how do you know he's living today? Because he's living in my heart. And he came up from the grave, and he said, if you'll take me as your Lord and Savior, and accept what I did for you on the cross of Calvary, I'll save you and prepare a place for you in heaven. So whenever you take your last breath, when you take your last breath, I have a place waiting for you up here in heaven. Amen. Let, me give you, let me give you a little truth in closing. This is a great truth that Jesus Christ taught us. And this great truth is this. Jesus Christ told the parable of the, ha- the man that built a house on the sand and he built a house on the rock. And he said, when the storms come, the rains beat, and the wind beat on the house that was on the sand, and of course the house fell and it was destroyed. And the house that was built on the rock, and that rock is Jesus Christ. The house that was built on the rock, it stood. And it stood the test of time. Amen. It stood the test of time. But see, the great truths, there's two great truths Jesus taught us out of that parable. 
The great truth is you must build your house on that rock. The second great truth that so many Christians forget is this. Listen to me. The second great truth so many Christians forget about that story is the storms of life are going to come. Amen. They come. I don't care if you're the best Christian in the world. Things are going to happen. And you're going to either have your house on the sand or you're going to have your house on the rock. Now, being 45 years, I've had a lot of death in my life. I've had a lot of heartache. I've had people just turn on me. And I thought I'd never get over it. But if it wasn't for being on the rock of Jesus Christ, I don't know where I'd be this morning. Can I present to you this man, Jesus Christ? Not the Baptist church, not a philosopher, but the man. He's listening to you right now. And if you'll come down this aisle and take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He'll save you and He'll keep you and He'll prepare a place for you so when you take your last breath, you'll have a place waiting for Him. It's just that simple. Do you want Jesus Christ? If you want Jesus Christ, as we'll give an invitation. Will you please come down and accept Him? Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.